head. Mm. We have read this scripture several times, but it just never grows old to me. Will you turn with me again to John chapter 13? As, as Derek read this earlier, we, are, we find ourselves at this passage at the very crux, at the very energizer of all of the one another's. If you could build the broadest platform upon what Jesus wants to build His church, yes, it's His death and resurrection, it's the Gospel. But that Gospel came by love. That Gospel continues to be transmitted by love. And love is the foundation for all of these one another's. Be reminded with me what Jesus Himself said. He said, a new commandment I give you. New commandment. That you love one another. As I have loved you, even as I have loved you. That you love one another. And by this, by this, all will know. The, the world will know. Everyone will know. The church will know. That you are my disciples. If you have this love for one another. Pray with me. Lord, our praying and our singing today have been totally surrounding this theme of what it is to be caring for one another. What it is to be loving one another. United together in one spirit and humbly serving the body of Christ. Lord, as we bring an end to this series, I can think of no, no better songs and no better spirit than what you've given us here today. Not only here in our sanctuary, but at home. As our brothers and sisters in Christ who cannot be with us right now for very, very obvious and real reasons. Yet we can be one. We can be one as we follow these commands. Help us to practice the one another's. To one another, one another, even when we can't be together, together. And that is our prayer in Christ's name. Amen. Today as we come to the end of this series, we have built this incredible building called the church. And we built it beginning on the broad foundation of John 13, 34, 35. And then what we've looked at, as of all of these one another passages all throughout the Bible, there's about a hundred of them. As you look at them, they fall kind of naturally into four categories, if you please. And the first of these are the love one another's. A full third of all of them are, in one way or the other, say, Here, here's what we do. We love one another by doing this. We love one another by doing this. That's an expression of our love first for Christ. And when that love is shed abroad in our hearts, the love then we get to share with one another. And on that foundation, what happens? When we're loving Christ together, and we're loving one another, that brings us together. That binds our hearts to one another. And so the second group of the one another's we looked at are the unity one another's. How it is that God is bringing us together in His love. And we're brought together for a purpose and, and that purpose is, is just incredible. We, we get to come together.
Because as we do that, we get to be more like Jesus. And Jesus said, you know what? Let me tell you about me. I did not come to be served. Rather, I came to be a servant. I came to be a servant. And we looked last week about how in humility we get to serve one another. And now we're going to wrap out the rest of these one another's as we built this, this, this building up like a big pyramid. Capping the top of it are the one another's we're going to look at today. And I'm calling them the support one another's. The support one another's. And like some of the others, they come in positive and negative uh, derivation. Sometimes you can say something positively. Sometimes you have to say something negatively. Sometimes you have to say it both ways to get the point across. But here it is. The positive one another's build up one another in deep Christian fellowship. The negatives are designed to address some of those things that would tear apart the fellowship. And so let's look at those this morning. Let's, let's take a few moments and look at these Positive one another's first. Those that are spoken positively. Now we're going to have these on the, uh, on the overhead. And I'm going, to, I'm going to pull a Derek Hartley. I'm going to read them with you right off of the screen if you can. All right. The first positive is to bear one another's burdens. Let's, let's look at this together from Galatians. Uh, and we're going to find in chapter 6 and verse 2. Okay. Here's, here's what the scripture says. Bear one another's burdens. And then it goes on to say, and, and so in so doing, you fulfill the law of Christ. Now, now, this is a picture word. I love picture words. This is a picture word in the Greek. And this is somebody standing up here, and they're under this heavy, massive load. They've got the world on their shoulders. You know, the picture of Atlas, you know, with the world on his shoulders. Okay, this, this is the image. And, and, and this person is crumbling underneath the weight of this. And then along comes somebody else and gets under that load with him. And it's easier to bear. And then somebody else comes and gets under that load. And then another and another. And as this team gets together, bearing one another's burdens, that burden is lighter, and it can be carried, and it can be handled. This is the picture word of the first of these one another's. Bearing one another. It's burdens. We, we do that in our nuclear family. We do that between husband and wife and the children, and, and even among the aunts and uncles and going to the grandparents and such. We bear one another's burdens. We get in there with one another and, and lovingly we, we go through these difficult times, whatever it is that we're dealing with. And maybe we don't know how. We didn't know how to go through a pandemic. You know, I hadn't found anybody else has lived through one here locally, all right? No, no rules were written for this. No classes in seminary about how to lead your church through the pandemic. What do you have to do? You have to learn as you go. You have to learn as you go. And as you do that together, we are bearing one another's burdens. See, what you do in a nuclear family, you can do in the church. Because the church is family. And so here's the question. Look around you right now. Or better still, at home you can't look very far, can you? And here, we've got a lot of people missing because they are at home. 
So you may have to look with your mind's eye, but I want you to look around. Go through the directory on your phone, or if you've got the paper copy of it, go through it. Look and see, who is it out here who's under a heavy load? Who's bearing an incredible load? A load of loneliness? A load of heartache? A load of critical illness? Who's out here who's bearing some kind of a load? And then you ask Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, how can I come and get under this burden with them? How can I come and position myself in such a way that I can help my brother and my sister to bear up under these tough times? How do I do that in love? How do I do that in a way that unites my fellowship? How do I do that humbly as a servant? That's a question. And it's not a rhetorical question that I ask and then you just sit there and no, it's a question I'm looking for an answer for, okay? Who do you know? Look around. Look in the directory. Look on the online directory. What? Who is it that God is putting on your heart? Your heart! Look in your neighborhood. Now, remember, the one another's are things we do in the body of Christ, and we do that best in the local membership of a body of Christ. But in your neighborhood, maybe you have brothers and sisters in Christ that are not members of this church. How are they hurting? How can you come alongside them and get under the load with them and help shoulder that incredible burden? Now, this doesn't mean that you don't offer help and assistance to lost people. Of course you do. But keep in mind that one another's are designed for the body of Christ. Okay? We relate to the body of Christ with the one another as we relate to the world in love that is evangelistic and that is winsome to bring them to faith in Christ. Bear one another's burdens. The next one we look at is speak truth to one another. From Ephesians chapter 4, 25. And Paul writes, Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor because we are members one of another. Now, what stimulated this in Paul's mind? It was the lies that were all over the place. Would you agree with me that we live in a society that the very atmosphere is to be careless with the truth and to lie? If you have any questions, watch the political ads. Yeah, deliver us, Lord. Yes, I heard that prayer. Okay? If for no other reason, I want the first part of November to get here to where those will go away. All right? But listen, it's not just there, and it's not just in politics. It was happening in Paul's day in the church as well. That lies and half-truths and stretching the truth, defaming one another was happening. And you find in almost all of his letters to the churches some admonition because some of this garbage had been going on within the church. And so, so through the power of Holy Spirit, Paul cries out here, you need to make it a point to speak truth to one another. Speak truthfully. And may I say that you, when you speak truthfully, you do so in love. And let me tell you something. If you're speaking to me in love, even if you're having to be confrontive when you do that, 
I'll know you're doing that in love. Let me tell you what I don't need. Preacher, I need to tell you this in love. You know what I know? What's coming next is not in love. Alright? I guarantee you, if you're loving me, I can tell it. And many of you, God bless you, you know the wonderful anointing of how to confront in love. And when you do that, when we speak the truth in love, what is it doing? It's, it's coming out of a servant heart. It's coming out of the fact that we're united together and that love is the, what permeates everything we do. You see? It just all grows up to this. But speaking the truth in love is not, it's not just negative. Right now going on on other parts of our campus, we have Bible study going on. You know what that is? That's speaking the truth in love. And you, I hope every one of you will be leaving from here and going into one of those Bible study groups where they're speaking the truth in love. See, when you share the Word of God, whether it's formally in a class or informally, organically in a conversation, when you speak the Word of God over somebody, that's powerful encouragement. Powerful encouragement. And that's speaking the truth. It's not always have to be negative, folks. Now, yes, we have to confront the lies with the truth. But even that, in a great heart of love. The next one that I want to call attention to is comfort one another. And this is from 1 Thessalonians 4, 18. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Now, the immediate context of what Paul was talking about, he was delivering uh, this, this letter to the church of Thessalonica, and they were deep, ardent followers of Christ. And they were so looking forward to the second coming. And they were longing for and praying for the second coming of Jesus Christ. And yet, there had been some among their membership, some in their fellowship, that had died. And they had some natural questions, well, what about them? What about them? They're not alive to see the second coming. What about them? So Paul writes this segment of his letter to comfort them and to encourage them. And what he's saying is, look, in the same way Jesus Christ rose triumphant from the grave over death, He will also resurrect and raise every one of our beloved loved ones that have died to be with Him. And then he says, so comfort one another. Comfort those who are grieving. Comfort those who are, have lost loved ones. Comfort them with these words, speaking the truth over them in, in love. Comfort them. So the direct uh, uh, context has to do with comforting those who are, are hurting because they've lost a loved one. But the concept is broader than that. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul puts it this way. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, <clears throat> the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves have been comforted by God. So, Anytime there's somebody in trouble, okay? It's not just when they've lost a loved one, but anytime somebody is in trouble, there should be something that wells up within your spiritual gut and heart that just wants to go be there 
that wants to go offer encouragement there, that wants to go offer the assurance of the Word of God. That's part of what has been so hard about this pandemic. For your pastors and deacons to be throttled the way we have, and I'm not talking about a government you know, sanction, I'm talking about just being prudent in the days we're living. Not being able to go to hospitals, not being able to go into the nursing homes, not being able to visit in homes. You know, everything is thrown off kilter. You know, when we get a call, so-and-so's gone to the hospital, I mean, it's, it's sometimes a race between the Sunday school teacher or that outreach person, the deacon, and one of our pastors to see who can get there first. And we keep score. No, no, not really. We don't. Yeah, we do, really, as a matter of fact. Uh, we can't do that. You can't do that as a family member. Not as a family member. You have to take this person that you love and cherish that is hurting or sick or whatever and drop them off at the door. We haven't lived through those days, have we? And our loved ones in, in the nursing homes, God, God bless them. We can't be there to hold their hand and to, to just love on them and remind them of the good old days and all the things that we've been through together. We can't do that. And I tell you, it's gutted a lot of our ministry, but it's caused us to have to be creative and find a way that we can. And you know what we found out? Satan has not hamstrung us that we can now continue to comfort one another. We'll find a way because we are the body of Christ. And He shed His love in our heart. And He has unified us. And humbly we will find a way to serve one another. Some kind of way. The Spirit comforts us. And out of that comfort we comfort others. Look at the next one. Encourage and build up one another. That's 1 Thessalonians 5, 11. Therefore, comfort each other and edify one another just as you are doing. Paul's bragging on the church here again. He said, you're doing good. You're doing a good job of encouraging and building one another up. Boy, that's a good thing to hear. When you think of encouragement or an encourager in the biblical setting, who do we think about? What's his name? Tell me. Yeah, several of you. Say it one more time. Barnabas. Barnabas. He's not one of the disciples. He's not one of the tribes of Israel. Okay, I know. Just, just want to let you know. Barnabas is known in the Bible as being an encourager. As a matter of fact, he's referred to as the son of encouragement. The embodiment of encouragement. He had this wonderful spiritual gift to come along somebody when they really needed someone and be there to help them. To infuse them with confidence and assurance and power. There was a man named Saul. Saul was a new believer. And he was on fire with Jesus Christ. But wouldn't any of the churches want to have anything to do with him? Because, you see, Saul used to persecute the church. Had killed many Christians. And so Barnabas came alongside him, being convinced of his testimony. And he was the encourager for Saul, later be known as Paul. And, in, and went with him to the churches. Went with him to start churches. And he was a great encourager. Paul needed it. 
And Barnabas was his man. Later on, there was a, a young man who was kind of timid in a lot of ways in his faith and had gone on a missionary trip with Paul, Paul and Barnabas. And, and he got scared and he got hard and so he left and went back home. So later on, Paul and Barnabas getting together a group to go on another trip. Barnabas wanted to take this young man along with him. Paul said, nope. He ran out on us last time. And so, nope, he ain't coming. Barnabas said, wait a minute now. He needs encouraging. And so Paul and Barnabas split company at this point. What did Barnabas do? He went with that young man. And he encouraged that young man. He infused him with assurance and confidence. And that young man became one of the biggest men in the early church. Because an encourager had infused him with confidence and the Word and assurance and power. You know what? Each and every one of us can do that. Who do you know who could benefit from just a few words of encouragement? You have it in your power to be that person. Why would we not in the family of God? And then it goes on to saying, build one another up. Why is that important? Because in this world, so many are tearing people down. And maybe they've been tearing you down. Maybe they've been pulling bricks out of your foundation. And you find yourself wobbling. Isn't it refreshing to come across someone who is not interested in making themselves look better by tearing you down? but rather they're quite satisfied building you up. That's the body of Christ in action. Who do you know? I hope you're listening to the Holy Spirit right now. I keep asking the question that He keeps giving me. Who do you know? In your neighborhood, in your Sunday school class, sitting that usually they sit around you here, going through the church directory, who do you know who would benefit from somebody just putting a brick back underneath them. Let's go on. The next one is from Hebrews chapter 24, 10, verse 24. Stimulate one another to good deeds. It says, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. You know, this is the passage that deals with assembling together where it says, don't, don't forsake assembling yourselves together as a matter of some is. Rather, it's saying it's very important to assemble together. And we know it is. We're still maintaining some distancing. We're wearing our masks. We're doing all the hand cleaning and such as that. Many have to remain at home. They can't be here right now. But that doesn't mean that being together is not important. That's God's plan. Always God's way is to have His people to get together as often as they possibly can. But he said, you don't, don't, don't forsake that. You need to do that. It's, you're, you're energized, you're encouraged, you're challenged, you're convicted by that. You need to be together. But in that same passage, what he, he says is this, you need to stir one another up for love and good works. Have you figured out yet that's what Derek and I have been up to for the last six weeks? We've been trying to gather as many of you as you can together. And under Holy Spirit's leadership, 
encourage you, to love, stir you up to love and good, do good works with one another? No big secret. Here it is in the Bible right there all along. That's what God wants His people doing. Who, who do you know? Who do you know that you need to come alongside and lovingly stir them up, get them going for good works? Then this one, it's hard to miss this one. Pray for one another. James 5.16 says, Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you might be healed. Now this is obviously one of those one another's <clears throat> that we don't have to be in the same room to carry out, do we? I mean, it's, it's great. You know, one of the things I miss is to be able to sit with somebody and hold them by the hand and just bow our head together and be able to pray with them. I mean, there's, there's something powerful. Not that I have power that I transmit, but there's something the Holy Spirit does powerfully when you hold hands with one another and pray one for another. It's, it's, it's unimaginable power. But we are not limited. Did you know your prayer for the person sitting right beside you right now? Right now. Is no less powerful than if you were on the far side of the world praying for that person at this very, very moment. You know why? Because our omnipresent God reaches out from China to Blairsville and connects us and we are together even when we can't be together. So prayer is one of those things that you don't have to necessarily be together. This is a time, especially when many of you have been caught at home and you just you can't get out as much as you'd like to. You can't be in your Bible study groups, your small groups, your fellowship groups, your ministry groups. This is prayer time. Wear it out. You run out of things to pray about, just, just, just pray for your preacher, okay? That'll keep you busy for a day or two at least. This is God's anointed time for you to focus on Him and focus on how you can be that encouragement and prayer power underneath all God is doing here. Don't feel like there's nothing you can do. This is where the power comes from, folks. Praying one for another. We've had to rely on phones and texts and emails more than we've ever had before. But I tell you what, as aggravating as those things can be, no, not aggravating, as distracting as those things can be, they have been a godsend for us to try to stay in touch with family friends, and church family. So I just, I, I want to thank God that you, in this time that this pandemic has come, that you have given us such incredible opportunity for media outreach. That should be a great praise. Who do you know who would benefit, not just from you sitting quietly in your home and praying for them, that's good, that's powerful, but who could you call on the phone? Who could you call on the phone, visit with just for a moment, and then just ask them this question, how can I pray for you? How can I pray for you? Someone called me last week and they said, 
and they were in tears. I, I've never had anything like this happen. I said, what, what happened, what, what? I thought somebody died. Okay. And they gave the name of a lady and said, this lady called me and asked me, how could she pray for me? And then she prayed for me right there on the phone. thought that shouldn't be unusual. That ought to be the day-to-day operation of everybody in our church family. Praying one for another. Here's one that's hard right now. Can I go ahead and say it anyhow? 1 Peter 4, 9. Be hospitable to one another. That can be difficult. I have <clears throat> been missing putting my feet under some of y'all's tables. Alright? Missing that joy of being able to be together, and to show hospitality to one another. But listen to me. You don't have to limit that to your home. And when you do these other one another's we've been talking about, what you're doing is you're being hospitable one to another. You're fulfilling this. Let's look at a couple negatives real quick, and they're going to wrap this up. In uh, Romans chapter 14 and verse 13, it says, Do not judge one another, and don't put a stumbling block in one another's way. This is, this is so imperative. Two things here. Don't judge. Don't put a stumbling block. Now, have you got confused yet about that word judge when you come in your Bible, especially in the New Testament? You read over here and it says, Thou shalt not judge. You read over here and it says, You need to judge one another. And you kind of ask, Which is it? Let me give you the answer. Yes! That wonderful word has to be said in its context. You and I have to judge ourselves. We are given lenses to look through. First John gives you all of those as you look at the world around you and even, even those who claim to be brothers and sisters in Christ. We have to be very perceptive. We have to test spirits. But let me tell you what you don't have to do, and this is what this has to do with. You don't have to be judgmental in the process. That's where you put yourself up on a high and mighty pedestal, and you look down, you're holier than anybody else's nose, and you're trying to put them in their place. That's what he's saying here. Don't be negative. Don't be holier than thou. That's, that's what this means. And then he goes on to say, don't put a stumbling block in somebody's way. This means to dig a pit cover it with straw or camouflage it, knowing that I'm going to come by and bam, in the pit I'm going to go. This doesn't mean just accidentally doing something where you, you don't mean to, but you trip somebody up. This is premeditated. This is where you've thought out a means by which you can ensnare somebody. Now, that sounds mean. Let me tell you how it happens in the church of Jesus Christ today. Gossip. Gossip. When you attack somebody's character, you have put a stumbling block in their lives. Be very careful. And, and be careful of Holy gossip. You know what holy gossip is, don't you? It's called prayer concerns. I'm just telling you this now so you know how to pray. No, you're not. You're gossiping. 
Let's call it what it is. Holy Spirit knows more than you do about how you need to pray. Why don't we depend on Him? Put the man, the woman's name out there. They're having a difficult time. They would really benefit from you lifting them up in prayer right now. Well, brother, tell me more about what's going on so I'll know how to pray. Don't! That person inadvertently just put a stumbling block in front of you to snare you and to get you engaged in gossip. No, you don't need to know. You don't. But you do need to know there's a need there. That's a stumbling block. And then Colossians 3.9 is the negative of what Ephesians 4.25 have already said, where it says, do not lie to one another since you've put off the old man and its deeds. Let me just say this, only comment I'm going to make on this. You and I are never more like the devil himself than when we tell a lie. Jesus said he is a liar and the father of all lies, it is his nature. How do you know that Satan's lying? His lips are moving. That's his nature. But you are never more like God himself than when you speak truth. Because he is the God of all truth. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. The Spirit is the Spirit of truth. The Bible is the Word of truth. You see, you're never more like God Himself than when you rest in the truth. Now, in case you haven't quite figured this out yet, let me be really, really, really transparent. Holy Spirit's motivation behind us giving you this series has been to engage you in one another practice. To come against the lie that says because we're having to social distance and all of these other things, we can't be being church to one another. That's a lie. And we're confronting that in the name of Jesus Christ and the power of His blood speaking truth. Alright? Do not think that you cannot be doing the one another's. We can one another one another even when we can't be together together. Mind of Leary's heart were broke a couple of weeks ago when we got shocking news that a dear friend of ours had been killed. Stan Elrod had been with the Department of Natural Resources. I think he was just a few years from retirement. Stan was 12 years old when I became his pastor in Tacoa. His mom and dad and grandma and grandpa were just like family to us. And we were there watching him grow up and encouraging him through his graduation and college and marriage and going to work with DNR. He was killed in the line of duty by a drunk driver who crossed over the road and, and hit him and killed him immediately on the spot. Our hearts were crushed. I mean, he's the age of, my, of our boys, Okay? And, and, and it was kind of like, it very much like losing a family member. But we knew that not only would two churches, his home church and the church that he was in, 
uh, at the time, and not to mention the whole state, were going to be there at the funeral. It was so big that they had to have it at Georgia Baptist Assembly. There wasn't a church big enough to have it. And even then, they had to bring in chairs. Valeria and I so wanted to be there, but because of the time we're living in right now, being in that packed a crowd with that many people, though it broke our heart, we could not be there with Perry and Linda, and Stephanie, Cindy, the boys. But you know what we did? We sent cards. We got on the phone and called and talked with them. We wept with them. We prayed with them. We remembered good times together that we'd had. We spoke this Word of God over them. We were not hamstrung that we could not be their pastor even years after we've no longer been with them physically. We could continue to love and offer encouragement and grace and support and all of these things. Even when we physically couldn't be there. Have you got the idea yet? Don't hear and by Satan's lie. Now, would it have been better for us to be there? Oh, that's what we wanted to do. But don't do nothing because you can't do everything. You got that? Now, there's one other step I want to do in this process, and this has been something that's been on my heart all along. Let me tell you part of what church membership means. Because this is the day and time which membership in church, eh, people don't really care about that. It's poo-hoo-boo-hoo, maybe, maybe, whatever. Let me tell you what it boils down to. It's a group of people who decide to live in covenant with one another. And they don't mind speaking the reason that they are together is because we have decided as a group of people, we are going to enter into a covenant to live with one another according to the biblical one another's. That church covenant, everyone who's, who's become a member here in ten years, you're familiar with what I'm talking about. We want to dust it off this morning. And we want us to read through that again. Not just to read through it to cerebrally understand what's in it, but to stand and covenant before God again, to reaffirm, this is how we choose to live, in fellowship with one another. Now, I know there were some problems with y'all getting the, uh, uh, all of the stuff written, but that's okay. We're going to have it on the overhead here. And I'm going to ask you to stand with me and read out loud along with me the covenant that binds us together. This tells us, our, our, our church doctrine tells us what we believe. But our church covenant tells us here's how we're going to behave. If you don't mind doing this, and if you don't mind reaffirming your covenant, stand with me and let's put that on the overhead. Guys, will you put it there? 
And I'm going to ask you to read it out loud with me. I'm going to, I'm going to start. You just follow the cadence of my voice. And let's read this together. Go ahead, gentlemen. God established a covenant relationship. First with His people Israel, and then a new covenant with His people the church. Having been led, as we believe, by the Spirit of God, to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior, and on the profession of our faith, having been baptized by immersion in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and accepting the Bible as our authoritative standard regarding our belief and behavior, we do now in the presence of God and this assembly most solemnly and joyfully enter into covenant with one another as one body of Christ. Now keep on reading here. We believe we exist to glorify God by attracting and winning people to faith in Jesus Christ, by nurturing them in our Christian family, by bringing them to Christ-like maturity, and by involving them in meaningful ministry. Therefore, as members of God's covenant family, known as First Baptist Church of Blairsville, we commit ourselves to God and to one another to be Christ-like in our lives and relationships through the presence, guidance, and power of God's Holy Spirit. We will love one another as Christ loved us, honor one another above ourselves, be kind and compassionate to one another, encourage one another, and build up one another, comfort one another, and offer hospitality to one another. We will have a spirit of unity based on our common bond in Christ. Be united in mind and convictions. Meet together regularly. Have equal concern for each other. Suffer when one suffers and rejoice when another is honored. And let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. We will use our God-given knowledge to instruct one another. Use our spiritual gifts to bless one another. Use the Word of Christ to teach and admonish one another. And nurture one another toward the spiritual maturity measured by the life and ministry of Jesus. We will not talk negatively about one another, not pass judgment on one another, not put any stumbling block in one another's way. We will be morally pure in our thoughts, actions, and language. We will be generous in our giving, and we'll be filled with the Spirit. We will confess our sins to one another, pray for each other, warn those who are disruptive, encourage the discouraged, help the weak, be patient with one another, forgive one another as the Lord forgave us, and gently restore those who sin.
we, we will the light of our godly lives shine together to bring glory to God. If we move from this place, we will, as soon as possible, unite with a sister church where we can carry out the spirit of this covenant and the principles of God's Word. There are your one another's put together in one place. This is who we are. This is how we behave. Join me and let's pray one for another. Father God, here is how you unite us. After shedding your great love abroad in our hearts, convicting us of our sins and drawing us to yourself for salvation, we get to love one another with the same love that you loved us. And that draws us together. It unifies us. And it humbles us. That you would love us so much and that you would use us as we support one another. Lord, I ask you for an anointing. An anointing on the membership of First Baptist Church. Not only those who are in this building or on this campus, but those who are watching and are engaged even though they can't physically be here with us. They are one with us. Will you anoint us to be the church to one another? Will you enable us to one another, one another, even when we can't be together, together? In your name we pray. Amen.